Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Gango with College Coach. We'll be discussing some really timely topics today. During segment two, we'll hold office hours on whether and when students should submit their SAT or ACT scores. Um, So I know a lot of students have been asking me questions about that. I'll be discussing that with Ryan Kelly, who's a newbie here at College Coach. We're really, really glad to have him. Previously worked at um, Boulder, um, Colorado University at Boulder, and Fordham University. Um, For segment three, Kira Tyler, who's a college coach veteran. You've definitely heard her on the show before. And I will be discussing the University of Chicago supplemental essay question. So that should be a fun one. Gets its own full segment, which which most colleges don't. Um, But for the first segment, um, any of you who are actually watching this instead of just listening it, uh, listening to it, you'll see Chrissy Foran, a member of our College Coach Finance team, and um, she will be profiling the CSS profile. Welcome, Chrissy. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate let, me letting you letting me be here today. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, our pleasure. I, I really enjoy these finance units because these are the ones where I am the most clueless, like absolutely know almost nothing. So um, it's been very helpful for me uh, uh, in my calls. Um, so let's start, though, with what is the CSS profile? I mean, def- I, I knew what it was when I, because I went to a college that, that uh, required it, but I know yeah. most colleges don't use it, right? Correct. And I talk to a lot of parents, too, that, you know, they're ready to file the the FAFSA, the other application, but not many parents have heard of the CSS profile. And that is because not a lot of schools use it. But basically, it's um, the CSS profile stands for College Scholarship Service Profile. Mm -hmm. So it's another financial aid application that about 250 um, undergraduate institutions um, ask for across the nation. Most of those schools are private schools, but there are some um, public schools that ask for it too. So it was actually created by the college board who also administers the SAT test. Parents have heard of those. Um, So it's not a federal application. It's not a state application. It's more just a a private application that that these colleges use. Um, It's an online um, application. And what they basically use it for is to determine a student's eligibility for non-federal financial aid. So schools will use it to determine who gets really their own institutional grants and scholarships. Um, So it's not used for any federal funding or any state funding. It's all just for the institution itself. Um, So these schools will use this application in conjunction with the FAFSA. So they use them both. Um, They use the FAFSA to determine um, if a student's eligible for any federal or state aid. Um, and then they use the CSS profile to determine any institutional eligibility. Um, like I said, you know, most schools that use it are private schools, so um, there are a few public, but it's it's a much more in-depth application than the FAFSA. It goes a lot deeper into your finances. It asks a lot more questions. Um, a lot of them are similar, but it is, so it, it's just a, another application that parents need to be thinking about um, depending on where their kids are applying to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, generally, if they're applying public, they probably won't need it, but private, they might. Yeah, they, a lot yeah. of some of the more highly selective public schools or schools that have really large endowments um, end up using it um, mm-hmm. just so they can give their money to the, the students who need it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, it's typically private schools, and it's they're across the nation now, too. So they're in California, they're on the East Coast, they're in the Midwest. So any most schools across the nation, you, you just want to make sure you're checking. Yeah, absolutely. Just Does more it come? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, imagine how much fun you have filling out your taxes and then think about this, <laughs> this application. Uh-huh. Um, actually, when I filled out the FAFSA for graduate school, I will say that I thought it was easier than the California state tax uh, uh, tax form. So uh, very simplified, which is great. Yeah, 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 that was nice. All right. So does it cost money to fill out the profile and submit it? It does, uh, sadly. Unlike the FAFSA, the FAFSA is actually a free application. The CSS profile does charge a fee. So when you go to fill out the application, it's going to ask you for a, a debit or a credit card. 
Um, so for the first school that you list on the application, they charge you $25. Um, and then it's $16 for each uh, school that you list after that. And you can list as many schools as you want. Um, they do offer waivers for families. So I think it's if you make less than about $45,000 a year, you can re uh, request a waiver through the CSS profile website to get out of paying uh, some of those fees. So um, mm -hmm. make sure you're checking into that too. I will say I have a bone to pick with them on this. I think that because the waiver is limited, right? Yeah. Uh, the number of waivers. I mean, isn't it like four or something? Yeah, um, I don't know the actual amount, but yeah, the, it, it yeah. can be limited too. So, I mean, those can be fairly difficult to, to get as well. So, yeah. you know, if you're on a limited income, I think you need to be, you know, choosy as to who you're sending that application to. But again, the good thing is not a ton of schools use it. So hopefully it won't be, you know, every school you apply for. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I get wanting the information. I just... Right. I've worked with low-income students who make, you know, 30000 and I tell them to apply to more schools so that they can maybe right. compare aid packages, so, and yeah, then they have to yeah. pay. Like, somehow they have to come up with this money when they barely have lunch money. It's not okay. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, not the purpose here, but, <laughs> to, like, if anybody from the college board is listening, um, yeah, <laughs> probably they aren't, but all right. Let's so, <laughs> how often does this application need to be filled out? Um, so it's very similar to the FAFSA. Again, there's a lot of similarities between these two. Um, it only needs to be filled out each year of, of college. So it does open every October 1st, just like the FAFSA does. So if you're a parent of a senior this year, October 1st, next couple of months, next week, actually, um, mm -hmm. you can start filling out the CSS profile. So it's just one time for every year that they're in college. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they don't do like a prior prior kind of thing like the FAFSA. It's just very straightforwardly for the upcoming year. Um, no, they actually do. So they're, they're going to ask a lot of the same information as the FAFSA. They'll ask for the what they call prior prior. So mm -hmm. they're still asking for your 2020 tax information if you're graduating and going to school in the fall of 2022. Okay. All right. Well, that actually makes it probably easier then. So that's good. Yeah. A lot of similar stuff. Mm hmm. All right. And so we know that um, we know that the CSS profile opens on October 1st. But what are the deadlines in terms of when they need to be submitted? So, again, it's really similar to the FAFSA. It's it, there's not like one national deadline for any of these financial aid applications. Um, like with the FAFSA, the CSS profile opens October 1st. But every college is going to have their own deadline for these forms. So you really just want to make sure that you're checking with each of your um, child's schools to see what those deadlines are. So typically, it's usually the same deadline as the FAFSA is. So, you know, d depending on when that is. So it's just important to check with each of the schools they're applying to, to number one, make sure they, that they require or don't require this application, but also to see when everything is due so you don't miss any important deadlines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely get the information directly from the school. I, I once had a student who yeah. missed his opportunity to get aid from Reed because his mother had talked to somebody at University of Florida who said, oh, nobody's yeah. using that form. And I was like, we work at Reed, they're University of Florida. Why would you ask them instead of us? <laughs> right. Like, why would you have called me? Like, Reed is a small enough school. I pick up the phone. They can get a person. Right, right. And, uh, and most he, often it's listed on the school's website, too. So, you, you know, yeah. hopefully you don't even need to make a phone call or send an email. You can just, you know, search for their financial aid on their website and they should have deadlines there. So, yeah, no, exactly. But I just I was like, I don't know what to tell you. The aid is gone. You know, right. it was just not yeah, that's it was, the tough part. Even if, yeah. you qualify, if it's gone, you don't get it. So, yeah, yeah, deadlines exactly. Are, yeah. Meet absolutely. the deadline. No flexibility there. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we've talked, a lot of the questions I've asked have kind of highlighted some similarities, but what are the differences between the CSS profile and the FAFSA? Yeah. So, and you're right, there, there are a lot of similarities. They both are going to go by the, like for parents coming with students graduating this coming June, you know, they're looking at your 2020 tax information. So luckily you'll have that for both applications. They ask a lot of the same questions about assets and things, but um, there are some main differences between these two applications. So if, for example, if you're a divorced parent, um, when you're filling out the FAFSA, the FAFSA is only going to ask for what they call the custodial parent information, which is typically the parent the child has lived with the most in the last year or the one that provides more support. 
Um, so if you're divorced, you're only putting that parent's information on FAFSA and not the other. The CSS profile is going to ask for both the custodial and the non-custodial parent information. So even if you're divorced, you have to have both parents submit information to the form. Um, so that's one really big difference that a lot of families don't seem to know right off the bat. So if you are divorced, that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, CSS profile, um, unlike the FAFSA, so the FAFSA, when it's asking for your assets, it does not include home equity as an asset on the FAFSA. Mm -hmm. CSS profile does include your home equity. Mm -hmm. So they're going to ask questions about how much you owe, how much your mortgage is, what's your house worth, you know, do you have a second mortgage? Um, so that's information that you need for that application that you don't need for the FAFSA. Um, the FAFSA doesn't ask what you have in retirement assets. So retirement assets aren't allowed to be calculated in your financial need on the FAFSA. But again, the CSS profile will ask some separate questions about the value of various retirement accounts that you might have. Mm -hmm. The thing, though, that to keep in mind with that is that most colleges and universities, they'll probably only glance at this information. They don't typically include that value of your retirement accounts in their calculation for eligibility. Mm -hmm. um, but they do still ask for it. So um, the good thing, I guess, about the CSS profile that the FAFSA does not do is it evaluates other things that might be happening in your house. Like if you have unusually high medical bills, mm -hmm. um, you pay private school tuition for younger kids. Um, if the, the parent themselves still owe student loans back for um, education, mm -hmm. they'll ask these kinds of questions too, to kind of take into account some of the other expenses you may have. So the FAFSA doesn't ask for any of that. Um, so if you, you know, pay private school or have high medical bills, you can't put that on the FAFSA, but you can on the CSS profile. So, so the thing to really keep in mind is because this is not a, a federal application, um, it is something that's just for institutions different schools can use different information from this profile. So your eligibility at one school may not be the same eligibility at another school. Um, so using the divorced family example, again, if your um, parents are divorced, and even though you're providing the non-custodial parent information on that application, some schools won't consider that in their equation, while other schools will. So you can actually see a list of schools on the CSS profile website that use the application number one. There's a list there, but they'll also tell you if they include the custodial or I'm sorry, the non-custodial parent information in their equation. So this can have a really big difference on, on your eligibility at, at different schools. So um, some colleges also might have some of their own supplemental questions on the application that others don't. So it's just... It just, you know, it's all just keep that in mind that, you know, what one school uses, another school may not. So you may have more eligibility somewhere than you do at another school. So it's, it's just kind of take it in stride. Yeah, <laughs> make sure, I, just make sure you're filling it out. I feel like too, some of the colleges that ask the most questions are the ones that actually give the best aid to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, like at Chicago, I think we had an extra form, but we gave some great aid to students who were low income, they got yeah, much better. They paid far less than they would have at the local public school. Yeah, um, and that's precisely precisely why they do ask those questions mm -hmm. is they, they do want to make sure they're giving their their scholarships to the neediest students and mm -hmm. ones that need it the most. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's it can be a real pain to fill out and it's a ton of information, but, you know, hopefully it, it can help some of those students, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the FAFSA does not allow parents to list any special circumstances on the application, but it sounds like the CSS profile does. Yeah, it actually does. So the FAFSA is really straightforward. It just very much is saying, hey, what did you earn in this tax year? What are your assets? You know, do you pay child support? Do you receive child support? So it's asking really basic finance questions. Um, it doesn't allow you to put expenses. It doesn't allow you to ask for special considerations. The CSS profile does actually have a section, um, it's kind of a note section at the end of the application, where a parent can list any special considerations they want the schools to take into consideration um, when they're determining their eligibility. So, for example, if your income has gone down due to a job loss, you know, during this pandemic, um, or if you're retiring, you know, soon, um, and your income doesn't look the same as it did on your tax return, you know, two years ago, you can mention that on the CSS profile and actually write a note to say, hey, you know, I, I have some special circumstances. Um, 
or maybe you had a bonus, you know, on that that 2020 tax return that really increased your income, and that's not normal. Um, so you can add those kinds of things to um, the CSS profiles notes section. Um, we do recommend submitting a separate letter too to the school's financial aid office if you do have special circumstances. So just to be safe, make sure that they do get all the the pertinent information. But you can put that in the application as well. So um, just I would notify the school so that they can look at at information as well as you know helping to determine your need. But yeah, so that's the nice thing is you can put some of that information in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Um, one of the things too is. We talk to a lot of parents of, you know, that are divorced and sometimes the other parent, the non-custodial parent isn't in the picture and the CSS profile, obviously some schools request that information. So that's a good spot in the notes to basically say, you know, we don't have contact with the non-custodial parent or that person's not in in the picture so that we're not providing that information. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Um, How can families prepare for filing, for filling out the CSS profile? Um, Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. So, you know, it is important to remember that not every college is going to use this. So um, you do want to make sure you're checking with each school's website. That's the first thing I would do to make sure that number one, if they ask for it or they're they're requiring it and what the deadline is. So you need to know those for all of the schools your child's applying to. Um, Both the FAFSA and the CSS profile are going to ask for tax information from, as you said, the prior prior year. Mm -hmm. Um, So so um, it's two years basically from the year that your child graduates from high school. So if, again, if families have children graduating in this spring of 2022, you should have a, a tax return from 2020 um, and your W-2 is available. Um, CSS profile can also ask for estimated 2021 income. So the current year that you're in, they can ask you to estimate that income as well, even though you don't have your taxes done. So you might want to have that, those numbers handy. Um, You also want to have retirement asset information available, um, as well as any other assets that you have, um, 529 plans, you know, uh, mutual funds, stocks, um, stock options, things like that. Um, And then your home home equity, your mortgage, you need to have, you know, that information available and, and any other assets or bank statements. So if you pay private school tuition amounts, if you have high medical costs, that's good information to be able to have handy um, for that application as well. Um, the nice thing is the CSS profile has help features that are embedded into the online application to make the process easier, hopefully, because it can be kind of daunting. So they have notes on the left side of the page, um, for any of the sections you're in that, you know, who you're answering the questions for, if it's the student section or the parent section. Um, and you can hover over data elements too, to get guidance on how to complete the question. So Mm -hmm. it'll make it a little easier to fill out. Yeah, hopefully. And then where can families find information about the CSS profile? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> College Coach really has, uh, we have great tips about the CSS profile. We have a video series on our Facebook page, or you can search through the YouTube channel for College Coach and CSS profile. Um, you can actually apply for the CSS profile just by visiting us. The website is cssprofile.collegeboard.org. Um, so that's a great website, you know, like I said, to get a list of the schools that that use the CSS profile, find out some of the information that they're requiring or not requiring. Um, you can talk to your your the schools, your child's attending, the financial aid offices too as well. But um, College Coach is a great resource. So definitely use mm-hmm. all of and, and this this podcast is an amazing thing. So mm-hmm. any of those resources are I think would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, when my friends have finance questions and I, I can't answer those, I send them to our blog and our uh, and this podcast. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's amazing all the stuff that we have. And, and, you know, when you start kind of looking around, it's like even I'm learning stuff, just like you said, with finance, I learn a lot of admission stuff, too, and finance stuff that, you know, I just haven't looked at for a while. So it's really. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, very handy. All right. Thank you so much, Chrissy. You are so welcome, Sally. Thanks for having me and have a wonderful afternoon. You too. All right. All right. And now we're going to be taking a short break, but when, when we return, I'll be talking with Ryan Kelly about whether to submit your test scores to test optional colleges. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. College admissions can be stressful. 
but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now... Back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. So I think it's, I, hopefully this is a simple topic to address, um, although maybe not, because it's one of the ones that I get the most questions about, like almost all the time. Um, I think people knew that there were test-optional colleges um, before the pandemic, but it wasn't the majority, and suddenly it's the majority, And so there's a lot of myths out there. And just so everybody knows what we're talking about, I'll just restate it. Um, You know, really the question is, should you report your test scores? Since, what is it? I think 75% of colleges are still test optional now. Um, Should you report your test scores? When should you report them? Um, You know, and so so let's kind of dig right into that, Ryan. Um, You know, what do you think? What are some of the myths out there that you've heard? And what do you think about this topic? I, I think it's a simple topic with lots of different layers that have confused some people over the last few months and year or so. To your point, it was pretty rare for test optional in years past, and then now it's very common. And I think a lot of the conversations I've had with folks are they hear test optional and they think it's no longer important and it's not even part of the review process and um, mm-hmm. for a lot of these schools. So they're hearing test optional and thinking test blind. Maybe that's not the words in their, in their head, but they're thinking it's not a part of the review process. And I would say for a, a handful of schools out there, yes, they are absolutely test blind. And I, I think that's a, a different conversation, um, but for test optional, I still would, and still am encouraging students to prepare to take an SAT or an ACT. There's a lot of benefits to having a test in your application at the right schools. Um, It can be advantageous in the review process. It can help bring up some other parts that might be lower, Um, but there's also a time when you might have a test and a school is test optional and you opt not to send the test for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. I've also worked with some students who have said, I'm not going to take the test. It's not important to me. And then I think I ask them what kind of schools they're interested in and they'll indicate some schools and they don't realize that some of those schools they're interested in require a test. Mm-hmm. So if you're scrambling last minute to take the test, is that really a recipe for being as successful as possible on whatever test you chose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even last year, Florida wasn't test optional. I mean, I, which was kind of unbelievable given what was going on. I, I, I can be very critical. Um, but anyway, yeah. So do not assume because uh, the schools that you're applying to might require it. I'd say the only people who are pretty safe and not taking it are if you're just totally sure you're only applying to the Cal States and the UCs. And I usually recommend still taking it in case if you even have an inkling that you might apply to a school that isn't one of those. Um, But if you're sure, and some people really are like, that's Mm -hmm. what they're going to do. They're going to apply to the UCs and the Cal States. Um, Then yeah, you don't need it actually. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And I've, I work with a lot of kids from California and I've, 
it has been extremely rare for me to speak to a student who says I'm only applying to Cal States or UCs. Mm-hmm. That might be their, their goal, um, that one of those institutions might be top choice, but they're also thinking, you know, there's a couple other schools out there that I'm pretty interested in, either privates in California or schools out of state. And that seems to be the majority of the California kids I work with. But to your point, if you're only applying to those two types of institutions, Cal States and UCs, then yes, you, this is a different conversation. But I feel like those students are fairly few and far between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they are pretty rare, at least of the ones that are interested enough that they're talking to us. Let's right. put it that, let's put it yep. that way. So, all right. So, so now the question comes up, the student has taken the test, right? Mm-hmm. Or they've taken the SAT or the ACT. Maybe they've taken both. Uh, but they've taken at least one. So how did they determine whether or not they should submit it? Um, some people seem to think you should always submit it. Um, I heard, I talked to a family the other day who'd gotten some frankly terrible advice from another college counseling agency, which just goes to show that we don't all know what we're talking about, but we do, we do here at Bright Horizons College Coach, but these people didn't. They said, if you don't submit your score, which is well below the school's average, um, they'll think that you did really badly. And my conversation with the dad was, well, they already, if you submit your score, they're also going to know that you didn't meet their average. <laughs> so, and he was like, oh my God, that's right. Why did I listen to them? <laughs> so, so yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And there's, to that point, the school can, I guess, the college or university can speculate as to why you didn't submit the score. But they're not going to know exactly why they're not going to know maybe all of the testing locations near you have been canceled. Um, or maybe you have a health issue where you don't feel comfortable sitting in an enclosed room for three hours. Mm-hmm. There's lots of reasons why students are not taking tests. Um, and there's lots of reasons why students are not submitting some tests. Mm-hmm. What I hear frequently is I have a good score. Should I submit it? And I always push back a little bit, which, yes, there are obviously good scores out there, but it's much more, is it a good score for a particular institution that you're applying to? So it's a relative term. Mm -hmm. I encourage students to look at the admissions profile for a particular institution where they'll break down the middle 50% for um, the SATs or ACTs for previous admitted students. And if you're in the middle to upper end, definitely the higher you are on that spectrum, the more likely you are to submit those test scores. And the lower end of that spectrum, then you're less likely to submit those test scores. And when you're in the middle, I think there's some other questions to ask. Do you feel like these SAT or ACT scores are a good indicator of your ability? Or maybe you did great academically and you feel for whatever reason those SAT scores fell short for your expectations. Or maybe you didn't maybe do as well as you had hoped academically, but your SAT scores are pretty strong and you'd like to have those be a louder voice in your application for you. So when you're in the middle, there are things to think about. But in its purest form, the higher you are at a university or college's admissions profile, the more likely I think you should um, consider submitting your test scores. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how do they find out what the average scores are at sure. the colleges and universities? Yep. A lot of colleges and universities will have that admissions profile on their admissions website. Um, Another good resource that I have found that information to be accurate and easily found is Big Future um, Mm -hmm. on the college board. Uh, So when in doubt, I I always go to the admissions profile, uh, excuse me, the admissions website for a school first to see if that information is there. can be pretty hard to find at some schools, but Mm -hmm. Big Future is pretty easy to navigate and locate that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would throw in is that, like, keep in mind, too, that different majors might have different requirements. So even if, like, at University of Illinois, uh, Urbana-Champaign, I think this is a really classic example. I don't know if they still have it, but a couple years ago, I found a really good outline on their website. I love how mm-hmm. transparent they try to be, where you saw the testing averages. And obviously, engineering and computer science was so much higher than everything else because they're so well regarded in those fields. So just because your math score is high enough to get into arts and sciences doesn't mean it's high enough to get into computer science or engineering. So that is another piece, um, another wrinkle in all this. So, 
you know, but, and not everybody's going to be that transparent. I mean, NYU is another example that I like to give. Mm -hmm. If you want to get into arts and sciences, that's obviously going to be very different from their dance program. Right. right? Like, I don't think the dance program really cares that much about your SAT scores, you know, Um, but they're in the average. So, you know, kind of drags it down a little bit compared to if you want to do business, obviously you really should probably be in the top 25% even is kind of where I recommend thinking about it. So, Yeah, absolutely. Do your due diligence without a doubt. Um, The other thing that I've heard, and and I I didn't find anything when I tried to look for it last night, so I'm curious what you think, is if some colleges still want to use it for scholarships. So I'm, to your point, I'm getting a little mixed signals on that as well. I know that it was, you know, we may, we, the college may be test optional for admission, but if you want to be considered for scholarship, then you then you need to submit it. And that really varied by school to school. Mm-hmm. I have seen a, um, nothing comes to mind, like school X is definitely still doing that, but I have worked with some students who have indicated that they are um, sending their test scores because they want to be considered for a scholarship. So it's one more to use your terminology wrinkle in this college search and application process is making sure that you're doing everything you need to do to be considered for admission and scholarships, whether that's submission of a test score or additional essays or other parts of the application that might be uh, considered for, for scholarship consideration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the good news with that is that you're most likely to get a scholarship at a school where you are above average anyway. So probably your test scores are also going to be above average in that, you know, yep. Um, so I think it'll work out. So that's that's kind of all the area that I can think of. Do you have any any other any other wrinkles that you want to straighten out for us? <laughs> um, it's not uh, definitely not wrinkles. It's more of the misconception that they're not required anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've worked with a lot of families who are a little surprised when I still say prepare for and take an SAT or an ACT. They're equally weighed at each school um, Mm -hmm. that would review them. So I encourage taking a PSAT or a PACT to see if you Mm -hmm. prefer one over the other or do better on one over the other, uh, and then devote your time and energy to preparing for that one, Mm -hmm. usually in your second semester, junior year. But the the pros, I feel, outweigh the cons of taking the SAT or ACT. I always tell students it's better to have too much information and not use it than not have enough and, and need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, last week I worked with a student and I mentioned a, a school that they were interested in required SATs and it was very surprising to them. They just were under the impression that this was no longer a part of the process. Mm-hmm. So they're having to scramble a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do, I do encourage it. I know it is one extra thing to add to an already full plate for a lot of students. Um, but again, not to repeat myself, but I feel like the pros outweigh the cons. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Just so you know, do plan on taking it, um, you know, and that way you have it in hand if you need it, because you really don't know if your school will require it or if it will help you for a scholarship. So um, unless you're sure you're going to do really terribly, like your PSATs have indicated that, in which case, yeah, maybe that's another reason not to bother. So, um, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you for having me. All right. So we will be uh, back shortly. Um, And then Kira Tyler and I will be discussing the University of Chicago prompts. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, 
self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, Kira. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Sally. Love being on. <laughs> so this is always like the most fun more challenging, depending on how you want to talk about it. I think um, group of essays to talk about for any school is University of Chicago schools. And full disclosure, um, you know, I used to work there and you live in the Chicago area and work with a lot of Chicago area students. Very true. So I think you and I both have quite a bit of experience with the Chicago essay types. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I visited there when I worked at Brandeis. Yeah, it's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I do want to get to their quirky essay, which I think is the one that really drives my students the most crazy. But I was thinking, why don't we talk quickly about the Why Chicago essay? Um, I don't think it'll take us very long, but I think it'll be good to just sort of make sure we don't run out of time on the others. So, um, So that one is, how does the University of Chicago, as you know it now, satisfy your desire for a particular kind of learning community and future and please address with some specificity your own wishes and how they relate to you Chicago so how do you I mean that's it's a lot like a typical why this college essay but I think there are some things to note so what would you sort of highlight in there of course um so I think that they are really signaling a lot in this in the way that they phrase this, right? And what people should know when they apply to the University of Chicago is it's not just another highly selective school. It is very much its own organism. Mm-hmm. And so that is what they're trying to signal to the applicant is that don't just throw out an app to us. Like you really want to be thinking about, is this the kind of environment in which you will flourish be happy and be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I think they're really trying to dig at is sort of like a culture fit. Um, now, you and I know, having a long time history with the university, that it is different than it was, you know, than you worked there mm-hmm. and as I've, you know, lived around it and seen it evolve, but it still is very much its own unique spot. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think they're looking for an understanding of what makes that place tick. Mm-hmm. And how you're going to really feel like you're a part of the community and will take advantage um, of their very specific and unique resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to we when I was there, and again, I think things have changed. There's a new yeah. dean, um, but I have to imagine that the school really still values a really intellectual student. Right. You Chicago is not the kind of place where people go in great numbers to the football games or anything like that. It's really very much about the life of the mind. They are not BSing when they put that on their like postcards and whatnot that they send out. Um, So they really want students to signal that interest that they want an intellectual environment, not just another good school. Like a lot of students kind of go, well, it's a good school, so I'll apply. And I'm like, yes. no, you need to think about this more carefully. Absolutely. Because people are, it's it's not to say that it's better or worse, harder or not than mm-hmm. other schools that have a similar level of selectivity, but the vibe of the place, like I'm a Northwestern grad, right? It's like eight miles away. They are different universes, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so they are looking for people who are really invested in rigorous intellectual engagement, sparring partners, conversation, mm-hmm. deep dives, um, you know, lots of maybe extracurricular, but even more so co-curricular opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is really what they're trying to help students understand. Mm-hmm. I also recommend that students look at the core 
Very few schools have the core. Columbia does as well. Reed does. St. John's. There are other schools, but Chicago is justifiably extremely proud of its core. And if you don't like the core, I think they kind of think, at least when we were there, we sort of thought, if you don't like the core, you probably won't like Chicago either. So kind of really take in their curriculum and what's different about it. And if it appeals to you, write that. And, you know, please note, they even say, please address with some specificity your own wishes and how they relate to that. So why do you think a school with a core is a good thing, even? Absolutely. And I see a lot of, you know, I should say I talk down a lot of my students from um, talking about the campus and the amount of, of Nobel Prize winners because mm-hmm. I'm like, both of those things are true. However, both of those things are not what is going to keep you there, right? right? Having a clear understanding of what the expectation is around your academic future while you're a student is really critical. And I agree. For some reason, the core doesn't translate as well as like people's understanding of the core at like a St. John's or a Columbia or something. I think Mm -hmm. they just kind of almost forget about it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it gets kind of lost in the shuffle, but Mm -hmm. um, I do think that if, if the core really appeals for you and you like that kind of direction and you're interested in that kind of inquiry, students should absolutely really talk about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, call up and ask questions too. I mean, they've got students who will talk to you about your experience with it if you're trying to kind of grapple with it. But I think it's going to be worth your time to try and understand more about it, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that the student body is really fine with what goes on there. Like they're all in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're they're not a lot of naysayers there about like people misunderstanding what the deal is. I think people are there. They're happy. They feel like they're amongst their crowd Mm -hmm. and they get a lot of satisfaction out of this kind of intellectual rigor. Mm -hmm, For sure. Uh, Yeah, it was very similar to read for me in that way, where when I came to read, I was like, here are my people. (laughs) I have, I have found my nerd brethren, you know, (laughs) like, like, you know, so, so, you know, acknowledging that, like talking about how this is you, you are one of them, you know, like, I think is really, really helpful. Yeah, Um, there are a lot of schools where there's a lot for a lot of people to love, right? mm -hmm. There's a lot to love here, but it's a niche crowd. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't like round hole square peg it there. You will be unhappy. Mm-hmm. So this idea, you should feel like, oh, I have found my people. Mm-hmm. This is where I belong. People should have that kind of response to University of Chicago for sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's not University of Illinois or Banish no. Champaign, which is a great school. It's huge. You can yeah. find your crowd there. Yes. And Chicago is a niche crowd. It's a particular Absolutely. group. There is yeah. more diversity within that than people might realize. But overall, the intellectualism, the kind of general nerdiness, like that is the vibe. And you either have to be one of them or you have to be very comfortable with that. Yeah. And kind I of have agree. fun with it, I would say. Sure. And Sally, I not to not to browbeat this because I know we have to move on, but would you also say it's, um, it's kind of not for shrinking violets either, because I think um, an enriching and satisfying academic experience means that you are willing to fully participate mm-hmm. in class and study groups, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not for people who are sort of waiting for it to come to them, but are see that it's there and are willing to engage. I would completely agree. I think students, it's okay if you're reserved and even if you're shy, as long as you're willing to step, to speak up in class, this is not a place to be passive in a classroom. Um, And people will argue with you. I mean, if you're somebody who's not comfortable with that, I mean, I picked up on that right away when I was there and I really enjoyed it. Right. But Chicago even puts it out there. Like people get to say stuff here. We're not, nobody's going to get canceled. Like they, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to get into all the politics. I think some things we yeah. shouldn't say, I'll be honest. But sure. Chicago is very kind of clear about freedom of speech. And what I think they're trying to do, um, where I think the positive side of that is, is that we get to discuss ideas and we get to disagree with each other. And there will be disagreements. And that is actually a valuable form of discourse. Yeah, it's healthy. It's very healthy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, All right. So hopefully that was helpful. So now let's dig in to the quirky essays. So, um, and I really, I do love these. I think they're very hard for students to write, but I will say that 
When I worked at Chicago, when a student really tried to grapple with one of these in a pretty, like, kind of went all in, even if we didn't feel that the essay fully worked, we gave them credit for it. So I want to sort of give students reassurance that taking a risk and really trying to grapple with one of these questions and have fun with it and do something different is not going to tank your application as long as, you know, like it absolutely like, yeah, it's very hard to do this kind of writing for most students, but if you give it your best shot and you're really brave about it, I think that's going to be understood and rewarded, even if the writing doesn't end up quite coming off. Sure. I agree a hundred percent. This was not, I could not have managed this when I was applying as a high school student, which is why it was not the place for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that sort of freedom to just sort of like not worry so much about, oh my gosh, what about this? But I was like thinking, I think a little too, too much in a box. And this mm-hmm. is the kind of place where we really want people to bust out of that and to have fun with esoteric topics do a deep dive on your favorite Marvel character, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you can come up with an interesting question around it, do a deep, you know, dive on how much you love matcha tea or mm-hmm. the fact that you don't understand smooth peanut butter. Like, I don't care what it is, but it should be something that, um, as Sally said, like you have a, va- you put a, a valiant effort into it mm-hmm. and you gave it your best shot. And it kind of like, you weren't worried about, what the other person thought. You're like, this mm-hmm. is how I'm feeling about it. This is what I want to expound on, or these are the question. This is the question I want to explore. Mm-hmm. I think that's really fun. And I've seen some really cool things come out of it, even when my students don't crush it. Mm-hmm. But I recognize the growth that they've made and how they push themselves. I think that's something to be applauded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say that I mean, for obvious reasons, I get a lot of students applying to University of Chicago, right. and I will, uh, and and I and this is is again also from working there. I will say that most of them don't fully work, but if they can get to that certain point where I like as a reader, I can tell the bravery and that they push themselves. I'm like, you know what? This is this is you know, this is good. This is still going to be a point in your column. And then if it really fully works, which is so rare, oh, holy rare. cow. I'm like, if they don't admit you, they're stupid because yeah. you're obviously perfect. You know, yeah. like I will say that the best essays are both creative, but still somehow manage to really communicate something about the student. Right. Like, Absolutely. like, I think that's sort of the golden standard of it where you haven't just kind of like, told a random short story, which again, like if you go for it, that, I mean, points for that, right. If you try hard, but the best ones, um, the best ones are where it does say something about the student, even if it's just about their curiosity and how they would engage in whatever particular situation there might be, you know, like, like um, I had a student who I can't even remember the prompt anymore, but he basically wrote about um, how a particular type of, a particular writing had like turned him into an atheist and then from that into a Muslim. And it was like this whole intellectual journey took place through words. I mean, this student was a perfect Chicago student and you know what? He was admitted and I would have been really appalled if he hadn't been. Um, So kind of like in these sort of journeys in these, like all of these essays, I feel like, can allow a student to kind of explain a particular intellectual journey that they might be going on. Um, like what's so easy about pie, you know, like where, where do you start with pie? Like how many different places can pie take you? Is right. it the manufacturing of it? Like, what right. is it? Is it that could be easy? The chemical process of baking the perfect crust, like to your point, mm-hmm. what is it and how do you want to explore that? Right. Um, I also find that um, this is where my students don't have to worry so much about providing a lot of backstory about a topic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if they are very much into particle physics and they want to do a deep dive on something, Fibonacci sequence or whatever, this is the place to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a little harder to do that at other places, not because they can't handle it, but that's just not as welcomed here, where, as you said, if you have a real intellectual curiosity that's taking you down a deep, deep rabbit hole, talk about it. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. talk about it. So for me, that has meant students that have really talked deep about um, a love of music or a particular like chord sequence in something or I mean, things that I'm like, yeah, you couldn't say that at XYZ other school, but here is exactly where this belongs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And do connect it to yourself. But yeah, as you said, they yeah. don't need the background. Remember, they they have your common up essay. They have your Why Chicago essays. Those are going to be much more straightforward. They've got the whole rest of your application. So in this one, you can really take it on kind of a flight of fancy, like you're Alice in the looking glass. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like have a good time with it, but as much as possible, like somehow connect it to you, somehow let the reader know why this was interesting to you, why you picked up, you know, like, um, I mean, I, I've seen a student take the what about pie essay and turn it into a whole like history of the world. Right. Like in, in kind of like this really funny way, like there's just so many different potential options of how you what could do that. Talent. Like I, I couldn't do that. I think mm-hmm. I've turned into a pretty good writer, but what a talent to be able to do that. And what I will say is I know we're talking about this, like what's easy about pie, but I want people to remember there's so many choices. Mm-hmm. So if you read them and listen, I'll be honest some of them at first glance, I'm like, I don't even know that I fully get what that means. You right. know? So some of them, if they just don't resonate, move on. They just don't resonate. And you can yeah. also come up with your own. So I don't want people, if it really is a fit, but the, the supplement is the deterrent, keep at it. Eventually something will come. And to your point, Sally, this idea about it always needs to connect back to you, always. It really mm-hmm. does. And we want to see a journey. We want to see self actualization or reflection like those are all themes that we still want to be able to see in whatever you choose to write about here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly all right well thank you so much kira that was great you're welcome thanks for having me sally take care yeah, absolutely all right and thanks so much to chrissy and ryan um get ready for our show next week our regular host beth heaton will be answering answering listener questions and finally i want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live every show is accessible 24 7 on the voice america website and you can also download every show for free on itunes and if you want to search for a particular show topic you can go to our blog page at blog.getintocollege.com Um, We do have some pretty great shows in our archives. One of the ones I like to highlight is our interview with Jeff Salengo and actually our whole discussion of his book, Getting In. Um, And last, don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.